Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. My name is Andrew Murata, host of the program, and it is show number 165. And whew, we just had a ton of problems here. We had tech uh, issues. We had uh, problems here. Uh, Larry Dack is on standby here momentarily to get us going. But uh, hey, it happens sometimes. I don't know what the heck was going on. Uh, and, and we could not, we just, I don't know, we couldn't get going. So, but we're, we're here now. We had some tech difficulties and maybe it was the force. Today is May 4th, uh, 2021. And uh, maybe uh, the force was with us. The force was against us uh, and we got, we got jammed up. Anyway, we're here. We're going to meet Dr. Larry Dack. Uh, here in a moment, and uh, we'll get started uh, in just a minute with Dr. Larry. He is the author of, oh, well, virtual is, is cutting me out here, Crisis Management uh, is the name of his book here, Effective School Leadership to Avoid Early Burnout. Uh, we're going to talk to Larry about leadership. We're going to talk to Larry about inspiring educators and the work he's doing in Binghamton, uh, New York, and uh, we'll meet Larry in a second. So, it is May 4th. May the 4th be with you, or the force, as they say, for all you Star Wars fans. And, uh, um, you know, the question, the theme, the kickoff today's show, what is your force, right? What is your driving uh, force there? And, and, and where, you know, where are those influences in your life, your inner thoughts, right? What 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 drives you there and, and, and all of that stuff, right? We all, as my friend Dr. Gilbert says, have the goods inside of us. But what are the things that you do to bring it out in you, right? Uh, who do you talk to? Where do you reflect on those things? And, and where can you do those things, right? So on this special day, May 4th, may the 4th be with you. I feel like I'm saying that with a a lisp here, but uh, I love Star Wars and I love that. So if you're watching live here, please uh, leave us a, a question or a comment for Dr. Larry when he comes on. And I uh, appreciate your patience. We got jammed up a little bit there. Uh, so uh, I also wanted to announce uh, next week, May 13th, is the kickoff, the release of the partnership, Surviving and Thriving, my second book. We'll be doing some uh, release things. Uh, uh, on that date, uh, as well as the night before, May 12th. So I'm looking forward to you uh, joining there. But enough of me. Let's bring in uh, uh, Dr. Larry here. Let's get him, and we'll bring him into the program. Larry, are you able to uh, see me now? Is it working now? I, I can't see you, but I can hear you. Okay. Myself, so okay. I, I think we'll be able to make it work. Okay. Well, welcome, and uh, thank you. I appreciate you uh, uh, working through this. I think the connection sure. issues were on my end, so we see Larry looks great in his suit tie, but he's he's uh, uh, can't see us. But we, we 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 somehow made it work, Larry. I 
can't wait to see the recording if you haven't. And, uh, <laughs> we'll just we'll just go from there. But Andrew, so excited to be here with you. It's it's really a pleasure to connect this way. Uh, someone I I've really uh, learned quite a bit from um, in the past. So it's really just a pleasure to be here with you. And this is Larry Dake uh, again from Binghamton Schools, the Binghamton, New York area. Yep. Uh, uh, Larry, before we get into you and the book, you know, what is your force? Tell me about your inner strength, and are you a Star Wars guy? You know, I'm not a Star Wars guy, um, but I have come to appreciate it very, very much. And, you know, I think if the last 25 minutes is any indication for both of us, there's a lot of patience required in uh, both in being a father and, 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 you know, being a school administrator. Um, you know, things rarely go perfectly right on any given day, no matter how well we plan it. So yeah. I, I've tried to, to learn to be better about taking taking a deep breath and, and focusing on what's important. And uh, that, that you know, has worked well so far. Well, let's both do that. It was frustrating, but we made it through it. Yeah. Um, and let's talk a little bit about you. Uh, sure. We're going to get to know you through the show here. But for, for those that don't know you, uh, give give us an introduction of yourself and you know Binghamton, New York. Tell us tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for being here again, Dr. Larry Dake. I'm the assistant superintendent for instruction and budget in the Binghamton City School District. We're a small city school district, right about ten miles north of the Pennsylvania border, about an hour south of Syracuse, so the southern tier of New York State. Uh, finishing up my first year here. Uh, previous to this, had been an assistant superintendent in a neighboring district also an elementary school principal, and uh, I spent some time as a curriculum coordinator in my first administrative role, and then also was a high school social studies teacher, uh, varsity girls basketball coach, did a lot of things in those very short years in the classroom, which uh, I do tend to miss quite a bit, um, certainly as, as, as I'm not around students um, every single day as much as I used to be. I'm originally from a really small town in Delaware County in New York State, Walton. Uh, graduated with about 90 people, so small rural community. From there, went uh, into Pennsylvania, King's College in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. Spent a wonderful four years there. And then I came back to Binghamton University to work on my teaching degree, and that led to my first teaching job, an administrative degree, and then eventually doctorate um, about seven years ago. So uh, fortunate to have had those opportunities and, and to really have been mentored by and learned from some really incredible folks along the way. Awesome. And I'm sure we're going to get into that a, a, a little bit. Uh, so this is your first year in a new role uh, there, Larry. And you know, yeah. tell me about the tr transition. It's hard enough transitioning into a bigger school district, a new role uh, in regular times, yeah. but compound with COVID here. How has it been for you in your first year uh, in Binghamton School? You know, it's a wonderful place to be. And I will say that it's challenged me in every possible way. Um, it's about 5,000 students. We have 10 buildings. We have seven elementary schools two middle schools and a high school. Uh, the previous district I was in was about 3,800 students. So still on, on the larger size for our area, uh, but the depth of programming that exists here and the connections with the community are just so vast that it, it really has felt like the first year of teaching or the first year as a principal all over again. And uh, one thing that I firmly believe in is that you can have a year one. There's a lot of learning that goes into it. You don't want to have another year one. And then another year one, you know, I once worked with a principal who had been doing this for 20 years and uh, some of the same things were happening year after year. So, you know, I, I'm learning a lot. I'm failing forward for sure. I'm fortunate to work for an incredibly supportive and, and 
uh, wonderful superintendent who has really made it very clear that that is okay and there's a lot to learn. And so, you know, I'm looking forward to next year, which in a lot of ways is going to be another year one. This whole year has been a COVID year. So, you know, the, the regular rhythms that we have in the school district and the schedules and that, that pace, I'm going to have to, to sort of learn again. So um, it'll probably be a year one A. But, it, but Andrew, I got to tell you, it's been, it's been incredibly challenging. Um, and I mean that in the most positive way it can be. It's really challenged me as a leader. It's pushed me in ways that I haven't been pushed before. Um, and that's been, that's been a great experience. Frustrating at times, so don't get me wrong, but a great experience. And Larry, a lot of educators watch this program, specifically principals, right? And sometimes yeah. they might be scratching, they might be itching, thinking maybe I want to take that next step, that next progression. So what would you say have been, you know, the, the, the one or two biggest challenges going from a principal to uh, an assistant superintendent uh, that, that yeah. you've taken on? I know you were an assistant superintendent in uh, Endicott there, but, right. you know, what would you say going into that role or a couple of things that a, a school leader should be prepared to do. Yeah, I think the workflow is really different when you go from the building level to the district level, particularly in a, a, a mid to large size district. You know, you're all of a sudden not around students every day. And, and you know, I think a lot of us, when we envision ourselves going to administration, we, we do that because we want to do the best for kids that we can. And, and that is an energy that we feed off of and a mission that we believe in. And what I've really had to do is reframe that in my mind. And so when I'm working on budget development or I'm working on our grants, when I'm working on all those those um, financial pieces that go into, we're a $128 million school district. Wow. We probably another 25 to 30 million in grants that we receive from the federal government, state government, other organizations. So to spend those judiciously and to be intentional and to, to be collaborative is really uh, doing a lot for kids, even though those kids may not be right in front of you. So I really try to reframe a lot of the district level responsibilities that way. Um, I do try to get into buildings as much as possible. Obviously, that's been very challenging in, in a COVID year, just sort of um, as everyone has worked through this. But that's what I would say the biggest thing is, um, you know, and it's also very difficult to go from being a principal and you have your building. I was a 650 student principal, uh, you know, elementary school. Um, certainly had wonderful principal colleagues in my district, but at the end of the day, I was living and breathing my building, and, and, and not, not in a narrow-minded way. We had wonderful district initiatives, but that's what I was responsible for. And now to go to the district level and to be working among 10 building principals or among seven in my previous position, that their buildings are unique, and they have their own histories and own leadership styles, yet we also have consistency across a large district. That's a very, very challenging line to walk. I, I'd be lying to you if I told you that I had that completely figured out right now, but it's something that I, I, I think I'm, I'm learning a little bit more about every day as we go. Larry, how, how even as simple as getting to know people's names, right? You building yeah. and the secretaries and the teachers and, and like, do you write them down? Are you that person that can remember their names? Because in a big place, when you remember someone's name, that means so much to them. So even something yeah. as simple as that, What's your technique there? You, you know, I've always, I've always had a, a good memory as I look back on it. I, at a young age, I was very good at knowing Don Mattingly's career baseball statistics. And I've always been good at, you know, knowing the order of the presidents and, and, and dorky things like that. <laughs> so I think that's come in handy. 
Um, you know, I knew every single student in my school, uh, all 650 or whatever that number fluctuated by each day. Um, in my previous district, I, I felt pretty comfortable knowing everyone. I had a very strong personnel function in that district. So many folks came through the hiring process or you just learned through that. You know, here's been a little different. I, I, I've met a lot of people over Zoom, obviously. Um, and then when you see them in a building, they're typically wearing a mask. And so, you know, that, that's been a little challenging. But it, it's really important, as, as you know, Andrew, and so many things that you've written about and talked about. It's that personal touch of leadership that often makes the difference. You know, lots of people can put master schedules together or manage a budget or, or do that kind of thing. But to be able to lead in a way that's personal and you care about people and, and you care about their well-being, you know, that's the biggest thing. So, you know, learning, learning names is something that I prided myself on in the past and something that I'm looking forward to doing more of now that we're getting sort of back into more in-person meetings and, and being able to be around each other in person a little bit more. Absolutely. And you know, going into districts is uh, being the right fit is something that you've talked about. Let's get a little into your book here. Sure. Yeah. Uh, look at that. This is so weird with the uh, virtual there. But here it is. Crisis Management, uh, Effective School Leadership to Avoid Early Burnout. Larry, this is this is great. It is a great book. I recommend it. Um, you know, the stories, the way you, you kind of wrote them with the stories. Uh, yeah. I, I loved it. What was your inspiration to write this, Larry? Yeah, so my inspiration was really twofold. I, one other thing that I've done on the side in the last few years is I teach in the Binghamton University Ed Leadership Program. I specifically teach the supervision and evaluation course. And so through that process, not only having students in the second or third course of, of their program, but also then following them through, often writing letters of recommendation, you know, having phone calls about, hey, something opened up, what do you think? What, you know, what have you heard about the, about the position? There's a lot of things that we learn about in our prep programs that are very valuable. We take the budget class, we take the curriculum class, we take, we take all the classes. But what I found in my own career and then also working with so many other young leaders is that those are often not the things that make or break us in those first couple of years. You know, that transition from being part of the system, classroom teacher, I'm responsible for my 125 students at the end of the day, the, the teacher down the hall, good or bad, is not something that I necessarily take home every night. And then to go from being to be an assistant principal or a principal or another role, and now you're responsible for that system. That is a huge transition. You go from being one of dozens, if not hundreds, of teachers in a district, wear the T-shirts, you have a strong advocacy group, you know, particularly in New York State and some other surrounding states, and then you go and you're the only principal in the building. You're the only assistant principal. You know, there's loneliness that goes with that. There's some, there's some shock that goes with that. I can tell you that in the summer of 2010, when I, when I earned my first administrative position, it was within the same district I taught in, which is also an interesting transition that I talk sure. about in the book. Yeah. Um, I had six people that were at my wedding unfriend me on Facebook that very, very day. And, you know, in the grand scheme of things, is that a huge deal? No. But I think it does underscore the fact that becoming an administrator, there was some there was some fallout with people that I was close with. Um, that 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 was a big deal for them, and all of a sudden I wasn't a trustworthy person for some reason. And so, you know, I think those are some of the things that that young leaders have to grapple with, and those are some of the themes that really came out in the book and came out in the folks that I interviewed about. You know, that transition from within your own district or going to a new district 
those are all really interesting things to consider that I don't think we spend enough time in prep programs really preparing future administrators for. Yeah. And, and you touch on so many things. Uh, on page 22, I, I, yes. I, I was astounded because I, I don't know. I feel comfortable talking with people. I've always kind of felt yes. comfortable. But uh, you wrote in here about uh, one of the stressors, um, it, it, you know, is communicating. Right? So it says here, relationships with parents are often ranked among the most stressful dynamics for school leaders, especially at the building level. And, and that's that I was like, wow. But then I also realized not everyone feels so comfortable. My wife reminds me of that often. Uh, but tell me about this part about, again, communicating with parents and, and, and why do you think that is? You know, I, I think it's on a couple of levels. Oftentimes, our communications with, with parents and other stakeholders, if we're in a teaching position or another position, they, they tend to be very structured. I would say maybe not as much this year as we've had remote instruction and those kinds of things. But there are there are structured parent-teacher conferences. Um, you know, typically, you may not be having a live conversation with a parent if they call and you're teaching and they leave a message. Uh, when you're an administrator, when you're typically at the building level, I found in my experience, it was a lot like improv. You never quite knew what was going to walk through that door. And you had to be ready to respond at any moment. And again, I would say this is one of those topics that, that in many of our prep programs, we don't do a good enough job talking about. You know, how do you build strong relationships with families? We have leadership courses, leadership theory, and there's applicability there. But I remember as a building principal, my first day as a building principal, I had one of the most challenging parent phone calls I've had in my educational career. You know, your first day, you're thinking, wow, is this what it's going to be like? You don't have that benefit of experience yet to know these things are going to come, they're going to go, and there's ways that you can you can be proactive in building relationships with families. So, you know, when that comes out, the, the, the book was structured on some interviews that I did, but also some survey data that I collected. Yeah. That was one of the main stress points that came out. But I think there's an opportunity there because I'm sure many of the things that you do very well as a building principal and so many others is, is you build those relationships up front. And one thing that I always try to talk to leaders about particularly as they're going through the prep programs is you don't have to, you don't have to be reactive to these situations. You know, it's hard to know on the first day of your principalship where those flashpoints are, but over time, you know, what buses are going to be the ones that you're going to need to be on more than others or what parents you're going to want to check in on more than others, because you know that their concerns have come to you or you know them well enough or that interactions well enough to know what they need. And so you know, a lot of that being proactive, it's very difficult to do, particularly when you're in a year one and you're learning the system. Um, but that can often head off some of that at the pass. And so that was what a lot of those conversations were like in the book, people giving their strategies for building strong relationships. One individual that I interviewed was a July 1st hire for a principalship. He looked at attendance data over the past two years and went out and visited several families whose students had been chronically absent. Not to talk about being absent, but to introduce himself, set a positive tone. I'm the new principal. Can't wait to work with you. And that paid some dividends that year when either difficult phone calls had to happen or the data improved for, for many students. But doing that proactive step can often lead to several positive benefits on the back end. I love that idea and that proactive and, and using data to help help drive your work. That's great. Um, Larry, another thing you touched in here, and again, so well written, published through uh, Roman and Littlefield, 
again, this is Larry Dake's book, uh, Crisis Management, Effective School Leadership to Avoid Early Burnout. Right? We're in the springtime here. People are interviewing for jobs. Yeah. Right? And you might look at something and say, wow, I really would like maybe that maybe be that in that place. Right? But maybe it's not the right fit. You even get into about, you know, maybe the school district that encourages you to bring your kids to events and encourages you to have your children there after school to be part of the school events. Um, and you tell that story of, of yeah. you know, I'm sure you made it up, the, name, the woman Monica. Um, touch on a little bit about yeah. the right fit for a certain style of leader. Yeah, Monica's story is really, really fascinating. That is a, a different name than the individual who was there, but um, you know, she she is a tremendous young school leader, and you know, she was someone that that went out of a program probably could have landed several different positions, more than ready professionally to be a principal, um, probably in, in in their early to mid thirties, so a long runway of a career ahead. And she ended up accepting an 11-month principalship position. Um, she, you know, was able to have snow days, you know, if, if and when they happen again, off. Uh, lots of time in the summer with her young family. And it's a school district that really was very encouraging. And she mentioned that in the interview. Like, this is something that I, you know, work-life balance is a big deal to me. I, I have a one-year-old and maybe more children um, down the road. And they were very encouraging to say, listen, you're going to come back and supervise a basketball game. Bring your kid with you, right? There's multiple administrators in this district that have young children, and that's something that we really accept. And so trying to find the right fit is a huge deal. And oftentimes it, re it requires being very authentic in the interview process, mm -hmm. you know, not being something that you're not. It's far better to not land a position where you're, you're being someone you're not and then to go in and be authentic and say, hey, this is who I am. You know, th this is something that I think I can bring to the table. There's another individual in the book I interviewed who, uh, who went in, and, and he's one of many first, second, third-year administrators in his district. So the culture is really accepting to maybe not having all the answers because everybody's really new yeah. instead of being the only new person out of a, a set of several veterans. So, you know, having that fit is so important. And, and, I, and I've seen individuals finish their degree like all of us at that age, very gung-ho, really want to land that position, just invested all that time and, and money, and there's some pride and maybe some ego on the line. Um, but to, to be selective and not just apply for every principalship within an hour or every assistant principalship within an hour, but to have conversations with your family and, and, and talk about what, what would or wouldn't be the right fit is really, really important. And, and you know that, that's something that really came out in the interviews that, that I did that individuals who spend time thinking about that fit end up being in positions where they're comfortable staying a lot longer than if they landed somewhere where it's just not working for themselves and their family and their work together. Yeah. Because it's you look at it, it's a two-way street. They're interviewing you, but you should be interviewing them. And a lot of times maybe people don't have the confidence or, or the thought to ask those questions because they really want the job, you know? Yeah. Yep, absolutely. And, and listen, there's, you know, I, I finished my edited degree, went back in the classroom and, and taught the next year. I had some opportunities that first summer. They didn't work out. And I look back on that year of teaching and I was able to see teaching from a different lens, having finished my admin degree. And, and I think ultimately that benefited me down the road. So there's some advantages, too, of, of not just jumping in, um, you know, if, that, if, if the right fit isn't there or, or 
interviews, the, the, the position doesn't work out, you know, in that first year. Well, speaking of age and, and when is the right time to take those opportunities, Larry, you're you're a young guy, you know, you're a young father, you have young children, you have your doctorate, you're an assistant superintendent, you're a professor, and you're an author. Uh, and I'm not going to put you on the spot, but I, I know you're a young guy. Like, how the, what's the secret sauce here? What's your magic uh, uh, thing that you were able to accomplish all these things so so young in your in your career and your life? Yeah, well, I, I wish there was a, a short answer for you. You know, one of the things that I'll tell you is I was able to defend my doctoral dissertation in October of 2014, six days before my third child was born. And, you know, I, the response that people would get is like, wow, how did that happen? And, and I often think that I probably wouldn't have finished had that not happened. You know, that really required me to get super intentional about my time, what I'm saying yes to, what I'm saying no to how I'm using the, the morning hours and, and how I'm preparing myself the night before to be able to get up and, and get things done. Um, you know, Andrew, when I was a, a high school baseball player in a small town league, I hit a lot of singles for whatever reason. And I, I think that's the secret of anything else is if you can just hit singles every single day, it's great to wait for the grand slam once a week. You have one super productive moment, but to just stay consistent, Try to hit singles every day, you know, whether it's with spending time with your family. I have an 11-year-old, a 9-year-old, and a 6-year-old. This is the last year. They're all in the same elementary school. Oh. You know, I, I may not spend five hours with them every single day, but I guarantee when I go home tonight, my 11-year-old's probably shooting some hoops in the bat in the driveway, and I'm going to play a game of horse against her, you know? So it wasn't a grand slam today, but it'll be a single. And, and I think, you know, with, with my wife, who's a literacy teacher in a nearby school district as well, you know, I, I think the open communication about what nights are going to be longer than others, that planning, what does the month look like, um, setting that expectation. Um, but then also just focusing on being consistent with that, I think, is probably the thing that's worked the best, you know, for me. When I was writing my dissertation, I tried to work on it about a half an hour a day. Some days was more, obviously. But if I could just have my hands on do some writing, half an hour a day with the book, the same thing, a little bit each day. That has really been the, the secret that I've found, if there is such a thing. Well, you've obviously been consistent with that, you know, hitting all these monumental points in your life. Uh, and I love that concept of the singles, because if you hit a lot of singles, you're going to have a high batting average and be a Hall of Famer, uh, which is great. So good for you for, for doing that. Um, Larry, let's talk a little bit about the writing. You wrote your doctorate and then you wrote, you know, you wrote a book and so many people want to do it and they've asked me i'm sure they've asked you like how sure. how do you do it so what was your writing style how did you did you block out time and say i'm going to write or what did something pop in your head and you ran in the room and wrote it down how how did you do it yeah for, for me it was the same the same process as writing my dissertation so again we had two young kids when that process was happening and that's really the hardest part about graduate school to be perfectly honest you take all the classes you do all the work you write everyone else's papers for them you know, that are assigned by your professors, get good grades. All that does is get you the opportunity to now write the dissertation where really a lot of that support is peeled away. You have an advisor, that's wonderful. But what I had to learn really quickly is that it was now up to me to set that schedule. And I luckily had some good mentors in my professional life and very supportive wife who was able to, you know, really do a disproportionate share already that she probably is of, 
of a lot of the stuff with those with the young kids with with everything that went into that. Um, but I, I would get up pretty early in the morning and work on my dissertation. And you know, once that schedule is in you, it's kind of baked in. And so that was that was something that I did with the book as well. I would try to be consistent. You know, I had a research process, and then I took about two to three months to actually write it. Um, I tend to be someone that has to really think about things a lot before they come out on paper. I know some people like to just get to the computer, write, and edit. I like to kind of have it framed out in my head the way that I want it. And so, you know, that was big for me was having enough time between the research and the writing to really be able to visualize what the framework would look like, go through my notes from the interviews, go through my notes from the survey. But again, it was not any, any, you know, I took a week and I, and I secluded myself and just did it. It was kind of trying to make a little bit of progress every single day. And over the course of a few months, that's that, that added up. Yeah. What a great leadership technique, Larry. And really, uh, because the book is, is smooth, right? And to, to sit in a room for a, a month and write or a week and write, it's not possible for, for a right. professional, for a father, a husband. Uh, but the book is very smooth. I do recommend it. I love the stories and the, the personal touch. And uh, uh, congratulations on it. That's exciting. Thank yeah. Because that's the, that was this year too, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it was delayed a little bit by COVID. I actually started it um, in, oh, maybe January of 2020. The original title was actually Put Your Own Mask On First, and, and kind of a metaphor for you got to take care of yourself before you can take care of others. Uh, but then the publishers with, with the pandemic didn't think the mask was the right metaphor anymore. So, you know, didn't see that one coming with, with everything that happened. But um, it, it released about maybe three months ago in, in the paperback. It's on Amazon. Um, and it's been really fun. And, and you know, uh, the, the best thing for me is to have someone connect on, on Twitter or on LinkedIn or on another platform um, and just let me know what they thought about it and really get that feedback from it. And that's probably been the best part about it so far. It's really led to a lot of really tremendous professional conversations that I've learned from as well. We always get to learn. And, uh, man, I, I learned so much just talking with you today. Um, Larry, I know uh, we got delayed here. So um, we are going to get wrapped up here so you can get to that game of horse and I can get to <laughs> where I got to go. Um Larry, again, you talked about so many uh, things in terms of balancing your time, being able to do all these things. How about how about your stress level? What are some things that you're doing to lower your stress level and keep you to be the you know the effective parent, the expected school leader uh, and husband that you are? Yeah, I would say this has really been a, a journey. To be perfectly honest with you, I feel better at it now than I did five years ago, and hopefully five years from now, I'll feel better at it than I do now. You know, I think it's a couple of things. I, I think, you know, having been in school administration now for eleven years, you have really, really good days, and you have days where nothing goes right. You have days where you get the really angry phone calls. And you have days where that doesn't happen, and so. Never trying to get too up or too down, depending on, on, on the successes or, or the areas of improvement is something that I've really tried to focus on. Like I said, that first day as principal, getting that really vehemently angry parent phone call, well, I didn't know anybody at that point. Um, you didn't have that benefit of experience to know this is going to happen and how you can you know, work with families to prevent that from happening. I thought, my God, is this going to happen every single day? What did I get myself into? You know, but having the benefit of time, you know those days come. They go, you work on it, you try to get better every day. Um, and I think that's really the, the biggest thing is, is, is realizing that 
Uh, you know, nothing great is going to happen in a single day for a large project. You really have to make progress every single day, building relationships, being proactive with communication, you know, keeping people in the loop, practicing good gratitude habits. I'm a big thank you card writer. A couple of days is always my goal. And so those kinds of things, I think, over time do lead to, you know, stress. It, it, there's never a lack of stress, right? I mean, I think that's one of the trade-offs we make when we go into this profession. You're not responsible for so much. I mean, I don't want to mess up a $128 million budget. That stresses me out. But I do know there's, there's practices that I can put in place that are going to make that successful. And so I think trying to keep the long view in mind is something that I, that I try to get better at and hopefully will get better at in the future as well. Awesome, Larry. You said a lot of great things today, uh, and I appreciate it. And, again, I apologize. Uh, we got jammed up. But, Larry, let's get to rapid fire. Sure. Um, these are quick questions, Larry. The first thing that pops into your head. Okay. Are you ready? I am, yes. Here, here we go. It's a fan favorite. The last book you read. Last book I read. Um, I picked up Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People last night and reread the first couple of chapters. I'm getting a little stale. I need something, um, you know, that's my go-to. So not the whole book, but a couple chapters a week or when I when I need that that inspiration. So that would be the last one. And they made, uh, there's an, uh, an upgraded one, a newer one with like, uh, about like using technology too. And oh, okay. Yeah. Check that, out. that is one of, that book I would say, along with some others, changed my thinking towards Absolutely. working with people. I would highly recommend it for anyone who's has any job that are working with people. Last movie you saw? I caught My Cousin Vinny on Saturday night. Hey. It was on. And, you know, Andrew, I've got to think that we all have a little bit of My Cousin Vinny in all of us, right? <laughs> How many times have you finished the meeting and just wanted to say, I'm done with this guy? <laughs> so it was, it was great. I caught about the last hour and a half of it, which, uh, you know, come from an Italian. My mom's 100% Italian. My dad's half Italian. Um, so, you know, that that's that's always something that's enjoyable. I love it. The two youths. The two uh, youths. Your favorite place to travel? Uh, absolutely the Adirondacks in, in upstate New York. Um, there's a little place outside of uh, Saranac Lake, a little camp that my family started going to when I was six years old, went several years. Now we take my kids up for Aww. a week with my parents. My sister and her kids come up sometimes. So it's just, it's been a huge part of, of my life and, and um you know, that, that by, by far, the Adirondacks is my favorite favorite place to go. Larry, you shared a lot of your passions, a lot of things that, that make you tick, the writing, the people, the relationships, the leadership. What's a pet peeve? What's something that gets under your skin? You know, I, I, I tend to come a long way with this. I tend to try to be a very punctual person. So on time is five minutes early and mm. being prepared. Um, I, you know, I've come to realize that not everyone acquired that way. And that's probably a good thing. So we would all drive each other crazy. Uh, but, you know, you start a meeting and you're having an important conversation and someone comes in 10 minutes late and then asks about the very important thing that you were talking about. And you've got to go back. You know, it, it's important to be on time. It really, really is. Um, I'm not someone that jumps over all over people when it happens. I mean, that's not really my leadership style. But, you know, I feel like if we can value, value each other's time is, is, is a sign of respect. So. Um, you know, I'm saying that ironically on the day when both of us couldn't get our technology to work. <laughs> so there's a little bit of irony in there, but I say that's probably my biggest pet peeve. On Saturday morning at 8 a.m., I feel fill in the blank. Boy, um, 
Saturday morning at 8 a.m. I, I feel I feel really hopeful for the weekend. It, it's uh, it's a chance to spend a little more time with my family. Typically, some things around the house, some yard work. Maybe we go for a walk somewhere in our area. You know, Binghamton, New York has a wonderful collection of, of parks that are very walkable. Typically, we'll see some family on the weekend. So, you know, it is a, it is a great chance to sort of recharge and get ready for the week ahead. Love it. The Binghamton, New York area is fill in the blank. It is a great place to raise a family. And I'm, I'm admittedly a, a Binghamton, Broome County area homer. Um, it wasn't born here or raised here close by. But, you know, when my wife and I were, were going to become engaged, uh, she was teaching in New York City, PS 116 in Manhattan living on 33rd third so we had wow. kind of make a decision about was she coming upstate or was i going downstate and so you know she came up here and that turned out to be a wonderful decision very affordable home prices like i said incredible parks nearby we have a double a baseball team the new york mets double a team is here which is pretty cool for a small city so it's just a great place to raise a family i love it um something that, about larry uh date that people do not know about cool I would say at a very young age, I have the ability to rattle off all of the U.S. presidents in order. <laughs> and uh, there'd be many a time in college where a college roommate or a friend comes to me and I'd be talking to someone at a party. They say, hey, pick a number between one and 42. And I knew what they were doing. And it was, uh, you know, never made me look very cool, but I wouldn't be able to resist the challenge. So <laughs> I've always been a, 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 a big history buff. So. You know, that's something that uh, that that is very dorky that some people may not know about me. I think that's so funny. Larry, you, you shared a lot today. What's a favorite quote of yours that you could end the show here with? Sure. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Jim Rohn, R-O-H-N, um, motivational speaker, passed away about 15 years ago. But he's another one. I, I'll pop in, you know, a CD in my car. I grew up in the 90s, so I still feel like I need CDs around to make me feel technologically savvy. Um, <laughs> But, you know, pop that in and he has a lot of great ones. You know, either you run the day or the day runs you. Um, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time around. Just really stuff like that, that you, you step back and you say, wow, it's a really simple way to think about it. But boy, how true is that? So I would say those two come to mind right away. Well, I'm inspired. I would want to be around you, uh, Larry. I'm going to have to get up for one of those double A games. And I know there's a balloon festival in that area. Isn't there there is? big? Yeah. We might have to Get connect the there. The speedy. Are you familiar with the speedy? I, I've, I've heard about the balloons. I don't know what speedy is, but I know. So the, I, speedy, the speedy is a marinated cubed piece of pork or chicken that's native to the Binghamton area. Um, and so the speedy fest and the balloon rally happens every August. It didn't happen last year, but it happens every August. And uh, it's balloons and it's and it's marinated chicken or pork on a bun. So I think you would enjoy it. It's uh, It's definitely a good thing. <laughs> We're going to have to talk about that because both of those are right up my alley. Uh, this nice. is Larry Dake, everyone. Check out his book here, uh, Crisis Management. Larry, congratulations on that. Uh, I appreciate you coming on Education Leadership Beyond. And, uh, hey, this was an example. And sometimes the, the, the stuff goes sideways, but you just got to keep plugging along. That's right. We made it happen, Andrew. Thank you so much for having me. It's really a pleasure. Guys, check him out on Twitter. Larry, it's at Larry Dake, right? Yep, at Larry Dake. And then they can reach out to you on, on any of the socials also? Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, Larry Dake on LinkedIn. Um, Larry Dake on, on Facebook. There's probably several, but, you know, you'll see this face 
And then at Larry Dink on Twitter might be the easiest way. And I'm direct message me. And I'm at Andrew Murata21. Larry, great job on the show. You hang tight, Larry. Uh, we're going to say goodbye here and we'll get this uh, music going. Uh, again, check out his book here, Crisis Management, Effective School Leadership to Avoid Early Burnout. We're going to sign off here on Education, Leadership, and Beyond. Thank you so much, Larry. Stay tight. Great. Thank you. All right. All right.